Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, oh. and a dynamite dunk! And welcome everybody to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, episode number 36. The crew back together again, Brendan, Aaron, Ryan, guys, the Pistons 4-0. and, and oh, It's the best start since 2008 for the Detroit Pistons, and that's, you know, it's, it's kind of a good thing, but at the same time, it's also a little depressing to think that it's been 10 years since the Pistons were able to win four straight to start the season, Aaron. I was barely alive when the Pistons had this good of a start. So uh, I'm just taking it for what it is right now, riding the wave, per se, and uh, not trying to think about when Detroit traded Chauncey Billups for Allen Iverson and thinking that was going to work out. Barely alive? How old were were you two? Dude, you were what, eight or nine or whatever it was? Yeah. Barely alive. <laughs> you were you, you were around for a minute, my guy. You were not barely alive. Jeez. That's an over exaggeration. But yeah, it is depressing that it's been that long and just everything surrounding it. But it's good that they're a four and Yeah. Let's no, keep it going. No doubt about that. But guys, it is exciting. Four and start for the Pistons. And I'll tell you, the wins have been fun. They've been entertaining. Some great games, beating the Bulls, the 76ers game, able to take it to the Cavaliers as well, and obviously the Nets on opening night. Um, so they played some close, exciting, entertaining basketball games. And I think maybe the best or, or the most exciting part about this four and start is how fun they have been to watch play as well. Yeah, Brennan, it's been fun to see. And while they haven't won the games by a wide margin, you know, all four of the games have been by seven points or less, and three of them have only been by a possession or two. Um, you know, it's been really fun to see Detroit come out and play the way that they have. Obviously, that's been led by Blake Griffin. But the new philosophy that Dwayne Casey has instilled within this organization and within this team, it's been really fun to watch play out. It's such a different team, even though the roster remains very similar to last year's team. They just play at such a different style. You know, more guard play. Obviously, they're running and gunning. They're shooting the three ball as much as possible. The mid-range game is disappearing for them. Um, it's just been really, really fun to see this this new way of play and it's obviously worked for them and that is a testament to Dwayne Casey the reigning coach of the year coming in and making this work and he was hired he was hired pretty late into the game you know Detroit was Detroit didn't make their decision on Stan Van Gundy early whatsoever like they really took their time and drawed out his tenure only to end up firing him so when Dwayne Casey finally got hired, it just it's worked out so well that he's been able to come in here, instill the philosophy and the way of play that his teams have had success at playing with, and with a team that isn't really conducive to today's NBA of running and gunning and small, you know, three guards, you know, six five wings, six seven wings, you know, it's two bigs that are the front line of this roster. It's two bigs that this roster is built around. 
and for Dwayne Casey to be able to come in here and make it work the way that he has, uh, that's really encouraging stuff. Now, I've got to say, this is the most fun I've had watching Pistons basketball in a very long time, especially that Philadelphia game. Blake Griffin just adds another element. It's it's Honestly, it's nice to have a superstar around. He makes the game fun. He's making the players around him better. It's just a better product. Like you said, bringing in Dwayne Casey, even though it was late into the game, he just completely changed the team. Uh, it's, just, it's just good to see. I think they're winning, slowly starting to win the city back a little bit. I think people are starting to take notice even though it's just a quick 4-0 start it's not like they're 20 and 3 you know or anything like that but the way they're doing it with a superstar they're more adapt they're more adapted to the league in the way it is now it's fun and i think the city is going to buy into it more well that was the whole philosophy going into the Blake Griffin move is that you needed to generate some excitement around Detroit basketball and that has been accomplished will this team win a championship i don't know i mean right now they're maybe the best team in the nba if you look at record statistically they are the best team in the nba just say with me once let's just say it once okay the detroit pistons are the best team in the nba you cannot tell me i'm wrong well it hasn't changed since last week's pod the pistons are still the best team in the nba i'm not wrong statistically factually i'm not wrong are they statistically the best team in the NBA? Obviously, they're a 4-0 record, but I'm just just to play devil's advocate here. Statistically, do they prove they're the best team in the NBA? They have not lost this year. That's all that needs wow, to be said. Wow, I'd argue for statistically the best team in the league. They have not lost. <laughs> now, data analytics with Aaron uh, Johnson. Way to break it down, bud. Tune in next week. Is there really breaks down further statistics? Yeah, I'm doing a but TED Talk on analytics. Um you can obviously watch it on multiple platforms because I'm a big analytics guy. All I'm saying is... Sounds like a big analytics guy. <laughs> they're undefeated. <laughs> Just ride the wave, boys. Just ride the wave. I very much am, Aaron. I'm not denying it. I'm, this is fun. This is the best team in the league right now until next week, okay? Until next week. Until Saturday when, we play, when they play until the Celtics. Until they play Boston back-to-back? Okay. Yeah. We'll see. Hey. If they come out looking impressive in those games, then maybe we have a little something here. And I'm excited, even though I already am excited. Well, you know, you guys have talked a little bit about Blake, and I want to also bring in some numbers as well. Last week on the pod, Ryan, you said that Blake was going to go, I believe, for like 30-10-8 versus the Chicago Bulls, and I'm pretty sure he went for 33-12-5. So you were pretty darn close Blake Griffin has been so dominant. You guys hit on that a little bit, but especially in that Philadelphia game, of course, the 50 points. But it was just that he was doing whatever he wanted. You know, it wasn't just kind of the, the, the Kobe back down fadeaway twos that, oh, he's just good and can hit those shots. It was a variety of shots. It was threes. It was drives. It was floaters. It was mid-range. It was free throws. It was drawing fouls. It was, you know, putting the ball... Uh, through dunking it. it. It was just a lot of different variety for Blake Griffin and just manhandling the 76ers. It was impressive. And Aaron, I'll start with you. To just see the dominance of Blake Griffin so far, to see how electric um, he has been for this team, it truly does make a difference, A, for the style and uh, quality of play that the Pistons can put on the floor, and B, it absolutely makes the Pistons a legitimate threat to be very competitive in the Eastern Conference. You know, it's funny because 
all off season, Pistons Twitter, you know, the Pistons fan base had been saying, yeah, you know, Blake Griffin doesn't dunk the ball anymore, and he's re he's re- revolutionizing his game, and everyone took that as this bad thing, because Blake wasn't going to be the same player that he once was, and it was this is Blake Griffin beginning his downfall. This is him not being able to do what he once was because he's no longer as good as he once was. And now, a week into the NBA season, two weeks into the NBA season, we're seeing all these articles about how Blake Griffin has revolutionized his game and has changed the landscape for him and for the Pistons and all of this amazing press about Blake Griffin. When all offseason, we told you what was coming and everyone was just ready to send Blake Griffin underground. And now Blake Griffin has been the MVP of the season so far. He has been so dominant in every facet on the offensive side of the floor. Philadelphia threw Dario Sarch at him, Joel Embiid at him, Amir Johnson at him. They threw so many different looks at Blake Griffin. And every time down the floor... Blake Griffin had his way with the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, he's getting to the rim. He has an amazing first step right now. His quickness is outstanding. We haven't seen it like that in years. It may be the best of his career. He's displaying a nice array of moves in the post, led by a quick and effective spin move where he's able to create space with a big step and get to the basket where he's finishing. He's not looking for contact like he was last season when he got to Detroit. He's just going at the rim and trying to score first and letting the contact come to him, which is huge because last season he came in and the first few games he was getting those foul calls. So he just looked for contact and looked for contact and it stopped working. And then we saw Blake kind of go to the wayside a little bit. But this season he's come out and he's just going at the rim. He's not trying to force contact and force a foul. He's just trying to get to the basket to score. Outside of that, he's completely... Not completely, but he's pretty darn close eliminated the mid-range game from his offense. And that's because he's moved to the three-point line, where he has shot 65% on greater than three attempts per game. That is the best percentage in the NBA out of players that have attempted more than three attempts per game from the three-point line. At 65-plus percent, Blake Griffin is first in the league. This is a Blake... Sixty-five percent league clip. <laughs> That's the new league average for three pointers. Just ask Blake Griffin. But in reality, Blake Griffin is doing everything you could possibly want him to do and shining. He is scoring the ball at the most efficient rate ever, and that's obviously going to have to come. It, it will come down, but he's still scoring the ball efficiently. He's rebounding. He's distributing, and he's not turning the ball over. And what's best about all of it is his attitude. After the, I can't remember which, I think it was the Philadelphia game, you know, he said, or no, it was the Chicago game. He was talking about how this is a game that they should have came in and they should have won in a much easier fashion. And last night against uh, the Cavaliers after the game, it was a pretty ugly game. Detroit should have put them away much earlier than they did. The Cavs didn't even have Kevin Love active, and Kevin Love is their best player, and then their second best player is God knows who else. And Blake Griffin after the game is like, yeah, we're 4-0, but there's nothing to be happy about. You know, he has this attitude that Detroit's really got some work to do. 
And as a leader, that is really good to hear because with a young team, especially with a guy like Andre Drummond as your second best player, you know, you have some guys that their attitudes have been questioned sometimes. When you have a leader that's going out there and saying, we can do more, we can be better, we have to be better, or we're not going to be as good as we want to be, that's important. So not only has his on-the-court play been special, but his leadership has been of note so far. Well, Ryan, I'll let you. We may be able to end the pod in about 10 minutes here. I mean, Aaron might have just said everything that could be said. Literally uh, everything that could be said. But if there's if there's anything else you'd like to add to that, Ryan. All, all I need to add to it is we can go back to pods where I was first introduced to the podcast and you were first introduced to the podcast, Brendan. And what was my sentiment from the very beginning? Blake Griffin is coming. And he did. I said he's coming for the king. And he's here to play. He's completely revolutionized his game. Like every article in the offseason has said. Like Aaron has said. Like we have said. And he's proving it. He is dominant. He cannot be stopped. Teams are going to have to throw double teams at him. And that's just going to open up everything else for everyone on the team. The question becomes then, you you talk about drawing those double teams and drawing different defensive schemes, somebody else has to be able to make plays. And right now for the Pistons, offensively, I don't really know who that is. No, there's this team needs another offensive piece. Blake Griffin, as awesome as he is, as great of a year as he's going to have, he's going to be an all-star, all that good stuff. He's not going to put up 25-30, every night. He's going to have nights where he's off. He's going to have nights where he's double team, and it's just not going to work for him. He's going to have to be a facilitator. And this team needs another score. And honestly, I don't really think they have one. Reggie Jackson can do it in spurts. Bullock's a pretty decent shooter. Kennard's hurt, which makes me want to cry. Andre Drummond, unless he's doing dunks and putbacks, he's not an offensive threat. Can we just get that out of the way now? I've been saying that for five years. I, we've all been saying that, except Aaron. Aaron believes that guy's going to shoot 85% from three. Um, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. That, that, that's how confident you are on three time, time out. Whoa, that's a shot at no, my no integrity as a no, journalist. I've talked for three straight whoa. minutes. I got time over here. You're you know, muted. You're out of the coach's box. Get your box, coach. What is Go this? Part in the interrupt, or what's the show with around the horn? Are you muting me? Are you kidding me? I am muting you. You interrupted. That's terrible. This team, Aaron, please stop. I'm talking. Can I finish? This team needs to find another score. They have to. I don't know if it's within the team or outside help, but it's something I've been preaching for a while now. Blake Griffin is not going to be able to carry this team all by himself. You need a number two score. And this team, I don't know if they necessarily have it on this roster right now. Well, the thing is, they need a playmaker, right? Yes. They need, you have Reggie Jackson who can run the pick and roll and can be effective as times, right? You have Andre Drummond, you talk about putbacks and kind of those garbage points with occasional sets coming his way. If you run it at the right variety or the right volume, he can be efficient. Other than that, it's like Galloway, your next uh, playmaker on the roster? They need a legit wing score. That's why even though it's brought Blake Griffin to the team, I hate how mismanaged this team has been for the last 10 years. They need a legit wing score. I'm looking at you, Jimmy Butler. I wish we could trade for you because that's the type of wing they need. 
Go ahead, Aaron. What do you have to say? You're out of timeout now. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. You're in. Okay. We put the tagged you back in. We tagged you back All right. in. All right. I'm setting up my finishing move here. Um. So there's. So there's. Here's the thing. I think playmaking wise, Detroit has enough playmakers because you have Griffin, you have Reggie Jackson, you have Ish Smith, you have Luke Kennard. Those are guys that can playmake. What they do Aaron, need Aaron, is they need another win scorer. They're not going to carry the team when Blake Griffin. There's a difference between a playmaker and a wing scorer. They need another scoring threat on the wing, right? They need someone in place of Stanley Johnson, right? That's what they really need. They don't need another guard. They need another wing. And that's where Detroit's lack of assets is a problem because they really don't have anyone to move that they can really afford to lose to make what would likely just be a very small upgrade to their roster. Well, you know, you kind of, you look at it, Aaron, you're right. They don't need another guard necessarily. They need more of that, that three man, um, isn't that but, what we've been arguing the whole time? Is yes. you need a wing player, not, not a guard. But what the problem is, you know, you talk about the lack of assets, and this goes back to the school of thinking that some people have. You can compare it to others, and I want to ask a question. You look at the Pistons sitting at four and zero. You look at how good Blake Griffin is playing right now, and where are you at with this team? You know, we asked the question throughout the summer and the off season. How, how, what's your what's your feeling about this? Are you happy with the direction that this team is going? Do you support the direction this franchise is going? And you're starting to see positives and negatives, Aaron, about which way this Pistons team and organization is trending. I think that. You like the, the direction, the way they're going based off what the new front office and regime has done because the negatives are in relation to what the old regimes have done. You know, with Ed Stefanski, he's come in and, you know, he's done a good job hiring front office, hiring a coach, getting a guy like Glenn Robinson. Looks like Bruce Brown can do something. Not really sure about Kyrie Thomas. Looked like they may have found another developmental piece in Zach Lofton. So, in terms of what he's done, it seems like they've done a pretty good job. You have to buy into, okay, these are the guys in charge now, and they know what they're doing, so they're going to find a way to keep building this team up, to keep making this team better. Now, the shortcomings in the past have hurt this team and will continue to hurt this team until changes are made. I'm a big Stanley Johnson guy, right? But he's not been good this year. He's not. And eventually you have to cut the cord on that because a guy like Glenn Robinson should not be not like he should not be getting coaches decisions DNPs over Stanley Johnson who's playing 26 minutes and really not doing much. At some point there has to be a change in this in a situation like that where the old regime made a mistake they drafted Stanley Johnson and he didn't work out. You got to play a guy that can help your team on both sides of the floor, and Glenn Robinson III can do that. Or Luke Kennard. We'll get to Luke Kennard, unfortunately. But before that, you know, getting Luke Kennard in the game, a guy that can score the ball, can be a secondary playmaker. Like those are things that need to happen, and you got to move past the mistakes that the old regime has made. And I think what Ed Stefanski is doing is 
putting this team in the right direction. Can I just say real quick that I'm happy that, Aaron, you have finally come to the realization about Stanley Johnson. Trust me, I'm not happy about it either. I want him to work out. I wanted him to work out. But he offers almost nothing when he's on the court. He's a pretty solid defender, but that's what he does, and that's it. He doesn't offer much more. For a lottery pick, you've got to be more than that, and he's just not providing it. So I'm glad you finally have come over to the side I've been arguing forever that maybe it's just time to either cut the cord or have him come off the bench. Because like you said, Glenn Robinson cannot be taking coaches' decisions because of this guy. He just can't be. It's a heel turn. It's a heel turn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry no, to the fans. It's a face turn. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's face, a face turn. turn. That's a face turn. Absolutely. You're starting to see the light. You're smiling. That's People definitely are clapping a face turn. People are clapping for you. <laughs> so be it. You know, um, I'll tell you, you made the comment, you have to buy into what this new Pistons front office is doing. I can't argue. I think the front office has done a phenomenal job since taking over. Um, I think they brought in a very good coaching staff. They've made changes to um, the strength and conditioning programs and personnel. Uh, They've made changes to the roster as well. The problem is this. There's no assets that you can move. None. You have no assets that you can move to make a play to get the guy that puts you over the top. You don't have the money to sign a free agent, and you don't have assets to acquire another Blake Griffin-like player via trade. With that being said, I don't... I buy into what the front office is doing, but I still don't believe in the direction of this team because the Pistons are very capped. This might be the best you see the Pistons until something drastic changes, right? Until they somehow can acquire a real movable liquid asset to bring in that game-changing guy, they're gonna. They're, this is it. The, the game-changing move, that's it. Blake Griffin's not going anywhere. Honestly, he's either retiring a piston or he's here until his contract's up and then trying to go somewhere else when he's 34. Right. Um, the game-changing move that would open up a lot of stuff is moving Andre Drummond, and that's not going to happen. So this, this is the team. This is what we've got, and this is what we have to work with, a second-round playoff team. That's, that's I think that's what they are. Guys, that come say? on. The Pistons are the best team in the league right now, and we're going to do this. Can we, like, can we move on here? I'm, I'm getting sad. Aaron. Aaron, we're just—we've got to be real. As exciting oh, as it is, they're four give us, and zero. Give us two we've weeks. Also got to see give the us other side two of the weeks. Aaron, okay, okay. He's—it's funny, you know. Ryan and I are joining Aaron via a, you know a Skype call. It's no secret. People can tell when they listen to the pod, and and we can see Aaron, but he can't see us. But we, and Ryan's saying we're just trying to be real, and Aaron's like, you know, stuttering. He's uh, he's twitching over there. All right. This, this is fake news. Aaron is always the one who claims to be, I'm real, I'm going to tell it like it is. So here we are, telling it like it is. And he's like, oh, this is the best team in the league, guys. Two weeks in, we're 4-0, we're the best in the league. Okay, Aaron, that was like, fun to start the show. That was fun to start the show. But we've got to move on. And we see the flaws in this team. Blake Griffin sees the flaws in this team, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Why are you saying it like that? 
You're saying it like like someone like I don't even know. All right. Yeah, keep going. Fine, fine. No, all right, Aaron. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. One day Aaron's gonna be a really good team writer for putting in a Pistons. text to the execs right work. now. He's gonna work for the organization. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. That way every piece he puts out is gonna have to be positive twist. All right. And this, only is, up the this, is, this is going at my journalistic yeah. integrity. He is gonna be in Dream World. Stop what it. What integrity Aaron? This is this is terrible. I have been plenty I have I have criticized the Pistons. So I don't under I don't understand where we're going with this. All we're saying is we're just seeing both sides of the coin right now and how this team needs another wing player who can score. That's all we're saying. I agree. I agree. They do it. But they have no way. But they have no way of. Doing I said it. that. I said that in my spiel. I said Detroit has no assets. Yeah. Yes, we know. And then all of a sudden, you're coming at us for being too real and going, "No, it's the best team in the league." Well, we had to go with their you're the top I, out as a second-round playoff team. I just want to look at the good for a little bit. I know they're going to come down to earth. I know where this team ceiling is at. I just wanted to have Eric, a little fun. I'm sorry that our facts offend you. All right. So, moving on. Uh, Luke Kennard, a shoulder sprain. And, you know, early in this season, it's a tough injury. But, Aaron, kind of tell us a little bit more about Luke's injury, maybe with that time duration is of you know maybe when we'll see him back on the floor and obviously this is a you know, big setback for the Pistons yeah so Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN says that right now it's just a shoulder sprain could be a shoulder separation uh Kennard's going to go through an MRI today to get the details and he could be out this is this is what I've seen on Twitter could be out somewhere around eight weeks if it's bad uh that'd be brutal that'd be very brutal and it sucks because Kennard came in yesterday, finally got some minutes, and was playing very well. Um, so this is a tough blow for the Pistons. I just hope it's not as serious. I hope it's just a shoulder sprain um, because a shoulder separation could – well, it will derail the rest of his season, unfortunately. Did anyone else want to cry when they found out Luke Kennard was hurt? Was that just me? Because I, I, I was thoroughly upset about that. I'll tell you what. I was – I did not start watching the game until the fourth quarter. I had something going on, and I heard, and I just, something. I just was wow. I was just like, I don't know, man. I was really sad. I I felt that like it's just, it's just he was st- really starting to feel himself in the game. He was starting to come into the game, shooting four for four, um, and that's the guy they need to get confident because you can tell at times out there he's not confident because he's scared he's going to get benched. You can see it in the way he was playing. But when he started loosening up, he was just pulling and shooting and scoring because the guy is a pure offensive threat. And that was someone I wanted to see play some two-man game with Blake Griffin. We talked earlier about how maybe they don't have that, that guy on the roster, that guy, the other scorer. Maybe it was Kennard because he's so good offensively. But, you know, he wasn't playing early on. You can tell his confidence was a little diminished, and now he's hurt. What a blow. This is terrible. I was so upset. The second I saw him, he'd take that screen. I'm going to tell you, Luke Kennard's the next Stanley Johnson, guys. Hey, dude. Sorry. Listen, no. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It's the truth. Listen, you cannot take a guy in the lottery. This isn't isn't the National Football League where you could take a quarterback, you can groom a quarterback behind a good starter. That quarterback can learn the playbook, can learn the system, can learn from uh, a veteran in the league. They can step in, and they it can fend for themselves and, and make a killing in the league. In the NBA, 
you get a two to three year window. And if you F that up, you're done. You're done. How many guys do you see, oh, wow, this is like his seventh year in the league, and all of a sudden he's contributing? How often do you see that? You don't. Luke Kennard is in his second year in the league, and he's averaging 12 minutes a game? That's a problem. When the Pistons had Marcus Morris, Tobias Harris, um, it was Andre, Reggie, and, and then who was starting at the two for them at that point? Was that uh, Avery Bradley? I was saying how Stanley Johnson needed to start over Marcus Morris and just let Morris go at the second unit. Because well, you those guys like weren't all on the same. Avery team. Bradley and Marcus Morris weren't on the same team. Marcus Morris got traded for Avery Bradley, Brendan. Well, that's why I was asking who was playing the two at that point. Maybe you could have answered my question instead of sitting there looking at your phone. How do you not know the rosters? Like, this is from last year, bro. Get with it. Don't make me have to clean up your mistakes. This is, I'm talking definitely two years ago, man. Two years ago? All right, it's Contavious Caldwell Pope. There you go. See? Amen. Thank you. That's all I needed. Come on. That's all I needed. Give it the program. Boys, I think there's just a lot of heat right here right now. We need to calm down a little bit. I think Brendan struck a chord with you and I, Aaron, saying Luke Kennard sucks because we don't agree with that. But he's making some valid points. I can see where he's coming from. We just need to calm down. Let's let me, chill, boys. Let me just say, I did not say Luke Kennard sucks. I said Luke Kennard is going to be the next Stanley Johnson. Which means he sucks. Right. Which means that the Pistons are going to stunt his growth, and in two years he's going to suck. That's what it's going to be. Because they're going to give him no chance to learn his way as a youngin on a competitive roster. He's got an opportunity to be I mean, that wing scorer, that playmaker, a guy that just from anywhere in the gym is money. Are we going to base that Not off of four games under Dwayne Casey, a guy that through his career has been heralded for the way he has developed young guys? Are we really going to say that after four games of Dwayne Casey being the coach of Luke Kennard, he's going to yeah. screw him up for the rest of if his career? If we're going to say the Pistons are the best team in the league after four games, if we're going to say that Blake's an early MVP candidate after four games, then yes, we're going to say that Luke Kennard but averaging those, 12 that, minutes a game is a problem. That is a problem. I'm not disagreeing with you on that, but I'm just saying that making the generalization that his career is over now is just kind of not right. Well, then things need to change. Sure, and they will. I'm not I'm not will I'm not coming at Dwayne Casey after four games and saying you have really screwed this guy's career because he hasn't is, played in consistent minutes in three games. It's not that deep. So, so optimistic, right? He's so it, It's been four games. It's such a small sample but I, size. I'd like to see it more as realistic. Through four games, we've seen Langston Galloway play north of 20 and we've seen Luke Kennard play south of 18. That's a problem, guys. For the growth of the Pistons, that's a problem. Luke Kennard can be your guy for years if you develop him. Turn him into, again, an elite 3 and D guy, and you should have one of the best wing threats. Yeah, but Kennard's not going to be an elite game. 3 and D guy. He's only going to be a good offensive player. He can't be an elite defensive player. So that's not his trajectory in his career. Well, how do you know? Dwayne Casey's a heralded coach. He develops players. He is Luke Kennard 6'5", white, not very athletic. 
that's 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 out of his realm. His, so you're telling his, me after Luke Kennard's 22 years of living or 23 years of living, you're going to make that generalization? I'm basing it off of every piece <laughs> of game film we've ever seen of Luke Kennard. You're going to make me like... Just using your words. It's okay. It's all right. Listen, the, the, my, my, my biggest point is when Luke comes back, he's going to get eased back in. So in reality, it's going to take Luke probably 10 to 12 weeks to be fully acclimated back to the That's rotation. That's if he's out as long as, like, if it's a bad injury. He sure. may be back sooner. On the projection, it could be about 10 weeks before he's fully acclimated back to the rotation. That's a long time. And after 10 weeks of guys establishing themselves and earning some spots, you can't even you can't necessarily expect Luke to come back and just jump right in. He hasn't proven he can be that guy yet. He was only averaging 12 minutes a game. I'm just saying, guys, now you look at 12 weeks, you're looking, or 10 to 12 weeks, you're looking at almost, you know, three months from now. You're talking, you know, February, that Luke Kennard's, like, really back in the rotation. And at that point, the Pistons are going to be making moves to, like, push to the playoffs. They're going to play their guys. And the sophomore season is going to be a total wash for Luke Kennard. Now going into his third year, you don't know what you've got. That's a scary reality, guys. I'm just being honest with you. It's a scary reality. I, I mean, you're not wrong, Brendan, because if, if it goes all the way to this February point, which it could, we don't know for sure, then he's not just going to be thrown back in the rotation. They're going to have a rotation set, especially if they're rolling a little bit. If this team is pretty solid, they're fighting for that fourth seed, that third seed. If they're up there really fighting, he's not just going to be thrown back into the rotation. The rotation is going to be set. And that is a scary prospect to know that we're going to be going into year three with Luke Kennard the same way we're doing it with Stanley Johnson. It does scare me. I hope, I really, I pray it doesn't work out the way because Stanley Johnson, or excuse me, not Stanley Luke Kennard has so much more offensive ability than Stanley Johnson does, and it'd be such a shame to throw that away. You could take Luke Kennard's offense, Stanley Johnson's defense, you'd have first-team All-NBA. Wouldn't that be something? But unfortunately, they're two different people. So, Anyways, Pistons, they're 4-0. They're supposedly the best team in the NBA. We'll see how long that holds true. Some tough games coming up for the Pistons. So we will have information on those and breakdown analysis, the data from Aaron himself, um, you know, all that good stuff next week when we pod. It'll be an exciting week of Pistons basketball. So follow along. You can follow at Palace of Pistons on Twitter. You can follow Ryan at Ryan Pay, Aaron at A. Johnson NBA, or myself at Media Brendan. Get some Pistons Twitter updates. Look for some articles. Follow along. It's going to be an exciting week. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Tell your friends. Let them listen in. I'd like to get some people's thoughts. Respond to the tweets. Let us know your thoughts on this podcast, right? Let us know, do you agree? Is Luke Kennard kind of trending to be the next Stanley Johnson? Are you with Aaron on a little more optimistic approach of the direction of this team? Or, or where do you stand on things? Maybe there's a different school of thought out there as well. We'd love to hear from you. It's episode 36 of the Palace of Pistons podcast, and we will see you next time for episode number 37 of the Palace of Pistons podcast.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.